We've been, um, well, just a quick thought. I know I've mentioned this uh, uh, several different times, made fun of it, but just a little public service announcement. Um, we, I've talked several times about the wafer that's in our uh, communion uh, deal that we have. Uh, just a, uh, a, a quick point. Do not, when you take that, put it on the roof of your mouth. Uh, I did that a couple Sundays ago trying to get it in to dissolve because sometimes it'll dissolve, but it stuck to the roof of my mouth and I thought I was going to have to come up here and preach, you know, trying to get that out of there. But, um, so just a little public service announcement. We've been, been preaching for the last uh, several weeks about the last week of Jesus' life. You're going to be thrilled to find out that today I'm going to preach on Wednesday. And you know what happened on Wednesday in the Gospels during the last week of Jesus' life? Nothing. Nothing is recorded. Uh, some disagree, but basically most agree that, that there was nothing recorded on Wednesday. It was a day of, uh, probably a day of rest, a day of pre- preparation for, for Jesus. So, so I'm preaching on Wednesday today, but, but I thought we surely had to have something. So I've uh, asked my, my good friend Charlie Watkins. Um, Charlie, uh, I think on the last song today is going to slip over to the drums and see if he can outdo his first cousin, uh, uh, over here and uh, Bobby and see if he can out. No, I don't know that Charlie will do that. So Char- Charlie's going to be up here. But Charlie, I've known Charlie for years. Charlie is, is not is not new to Troy Christian Church. He's been here several times in the past representing uh, Show Me Christian Home. Uh, but he has moved on from that to another ministry. He and his wife now work with Camp Galilee in El Dorado Springs, Missouri. Uh, in fact, a little bit later this spring, we're going to uh, take have an opportunity for a short mission trip over a weekend to go down and help them out uh, to get the camp ready. So, so I've asked Charlie if he would come today. Probably tells just a little bit about what he's doing now, but mainly to speak from from the standpoint of of uh, how God called him into uh, service. Uh, Charlie was the pride and joy of Pleasant Ridge High School, is that right? Uh, went on to be a high school uh, teacher, or a teacher and then a high school uh, coach, uh, and then God called him to do other things with his life. So, Charlie, if you'd come on up. I really only get nervous when I have to do this if I'm preaching around people I know, and I've become to to know you guys a lot, so now I have to preach with Tim actually here. You know, I, I told, I joked with the class downstairs, I said I left that church because Tim was preaching there. You know, I went to church with him, and I, but uh, no, that's not true. Uh, I do have a lot of good memories from Troy. I mean, I, my longest run from scrimmage for a touchdown was at this field up here. We lost, but uh, I think we lost every game that year, um, but that was my longest run. I I ran my best, personal best time on track. I ran a 54 on a 400, and I lost to one of the Hess boys. He's probably here at church. No, I lost to one of those guys. So um, you probably know, is it Donnie or Daryl? Maybe it was Daryl that beat me, him and I. Yeah, one of them guys. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I still run my personal best. So there's some connection. And now i got Bobby and Carrie that are here. So that's great. Um, the first we're going to look at today is James 1.22. And um, it says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And so uh, well, that's pretty powerful. I know that uh, my wife made a, a, uh, a painting for me. My wife is not what I'd call artistic, right, Jody? 
But she did a beautiful painting for me. She went to a women's retreat, and she took that verse because she knows it's one of my favorite verses, and and she did that. So it's on the wall in our bedroom, and every every day we get to get up and look at that. And uh, that's a, a verse that means a lot. And when Tim asked me to come and speak today about what led us into full-time Christian ministry or service, I kind of have to back up a little bit. You know, when you're 18 or 19 years old, you're always looking to the future, right? You're saying, what's it going to be like 10 years down the road? What's it going to be like 20 years down the road? Well, when you're 50, you tend to look back, right? You got the glasses now, you got gray hair, gray beard, big belly, uh, I don't run a 54-400 anymore, that's for darn sure. Uh, I'm lucky to walk the whole thing. Um, but, you know, we start to look back. And I heard a song, and, I, and see, I think Bobby got all the musical talent in our, our family, but there's a song I heard on the radio, I can't remember the name of the song, but it talks about, um, I don't have to even look at my notes to see what it talks about, but it talks about the fact that we get to see, when we look back, we get to see all the things that God has done for us, how he's impacted our life. And it's so much easier at 50. So when you guys are old, when you young kids get old, you get to look back and go, wow, you know, there's been times in my life when God was right there to save me. He was right there to lead me. There were times I look back, I go, wait, that had to have been times when God was really carrying me. You know, he was, he was doing all the heavy lifting. And so it's pretty cool at 50 years old to do that. But um, to get to where we're at today, and I, I don't, I don't want to tell about myself out of arrogance or to tell about, I want to try to be as humble as I can. And uh, so if I'm talking about myself, please, please know that it's to show you how much God did for me and how much it took for him to get us to the point where we're in full-time Christian service and ministry. Um, so I'm going to take you back uh, to my first, first of all, I grew up in a little Methodist church with Bobby. That was part of the problem. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we went to a little Methodist church in Easton, Kansas, and that's where we grew up. And, and you know, to be honest, we just didn't, uh, you know, we were, we kind of did things, I know it sounds kind of bad because my parents were great parents, um, but our church and our spiritual life was just mainly for show. You know, we're good people. Good people go to church. That's kind of what you do. I don't remember praying with my family. You know, I mean, my mom was sick all through my childhood, and I don't remember sitting there and praying for her. And sad as that. I know I did personally, um, but we just didn't do that as a family. And uh, so I just want you to understand where, where I was coming from. Um, and as I grew up, that became a way of life. It became kind of who we were. We kind of, we'd go to church, we'd look really shiny and, and pretty on Sunday, we'd dress up, but then through the week, that really wasn't how we lived. And that's, that's kind of how I thought being a Christian was. I, I really thought that was the way you were supposed to be a Christian, but, but what I really was was getting really good at faking it. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but there's times that, you know, we, we can look really good for people, and it's just not real. And uh, so as we go through life, I mean, there's, there's so many things that uh, uh, I was asked to pray in front of our, our school because they knew I went to church. Uh, but I really wasn't a Christian. But I, I got up there and I prayed. I know that um, 
uh, it was it was actually a benchmark in my life. It's it when I met somebody very special to me. I was a junior in high school, and uh, I was uh, actually it was my sophomore year in high school. And my sister went on a mission trip, and it's something the Methodists did. They'd send some of the older kids on mission trips. Well, when she came back, I went and helped. I went to pick her up. And uh, you know how you usually go on a mission trip, you get motivated to help people, to serve. Well, when I got there, I saw all them pretty girls that went with my sister. And I was like, mm, I think I'm going to go on that mission trip next year. And that was my motivation was to go on that mission trip was not to serve anybody. Okay, but on this trip, I met Jody. And it's crazy. We we met. We were in the same work group. Um I still really didn't care about serving. I think Jody had better intentions, you know, than I did on this trip. We got back from the trip. She wrote me a couple times, and I never wrote her, ever. Didn't write her back. And um, three years later, almost four years later, I went to Highland Community College. I'd stepped out a year, went back to Highland Community College. I walk in the front door, and guess who's at Highland Community College? Jody. And I told my buddies, I said, hey, I know that girl. And they said, you don't know that girl. I said, you just got here. You wouldn't know that girl. I said, no, I know her. I couldn't remember her name. <laughs> so I walked up to her, and by the time I got to her, it came to me, and thankfully. And uh, and I'd like to say that was, that was you know, the rest is history, but it, it's not because what I did was I continued to fake it. See, she, she invited me. She goes, hey, you know, she was smart. She says, hey, uh, why don't you come to a Bible study with me? I'm like, oh, sure. I'm a Christian. I'll go to a Bible study. You know, I didn't, my Bible was a children's Bible. And it was at home. And that was the only Bible I had was a picture children's Bible. And I was not going to take that to the Bible study. So I think I made up every excuse as to why I wasn't bringing my Bible to Bible study. But I went to Bible study. I started going to Fellowship of Christian Athletes because she went to Fellowship of Christian Athletes. She had a boyfriend, so I had to, Hurry up and end that for that for that situation. But, but anyway, I I, I want I want you to understand. I was faking it. I was I was trying to be really good, and so I faked it enough. And I asked her to to marry me, and we and we got married. And you know, I, it's one of the worst things I could ever do to to sit here and express this to you. But I, I lied I lied to my wife. She she finally she started to realize this dude isn't really a Christian. You know, he's not living like that. And seven years went by. And I mean, I, we, didn't have a, we didn't have a bad marriage, did we? I think she was a praying a lot in the closet that I would, you know, because we, I just, I didn't go to church, which that's how we met. That was how our relationship was built. I didn't want to go to church. Um, I had found something better to do all the time. And so I... Seven years later, we had our first daughter. I don't know if this is where you want me to go with this or not. Okay, well, but we had our first, we had our first daughter. And the craziest thing happened to me. And I don't know what it was, but I do know what it was. It was God. He began to make me feel so uncomfortable that we were not going to church. And, you know, here, I'm a big man. I said, you know what, honey? We got to go to church because somebody's going to have to teach Jenna about God. I know I believe in God. I don't need to go. I don't need to go to church every Sunday. I believe in God. I know that Jesus died for my sins. But somebody's going to have to teach Jenna. What, what a man. 
And I, I think that was probably what I said. Well, I, it just felt so uncomfortable that we were not going to church. So here's where I was. I grew up in a Methodist church. Jody came to Christ when she was in high school at an independent Christian church. And we lived in a small town. And there were two churches, a Methodist church and an independent Christian church. And I said, we're going to drive down there. Whichever one starts the latest, that's where we're going to go. And I thank God, every, I am not lying to you, this is actually, this happened. That's, it's, the Christian church started a half an hour later. I thought, well, I can sleep in a half an hour. And that's where I was. And so I began to fake it there. We'd go to church and I'd act like I, I was some devout Christian guy. But then I continued to live the way I wanted to live throughout the week. And uh, the preacher there, he was pretty, he was pretty rigid. He was a young guy. He was only a few years older than me. I think we, I was 20, 27 or 28 years old, and he was in his 30s. And he just flat out called my bluff. He just said, you know what, you're living a lie. I was like, what are you talking about? You know, and I, I didn't really think that much of it. He goes, well, I'm going to put your, have you put your money where your mouth is. He says, you know, you're a teacher. You need to come and do summer camp with me. And you need to do a week of camp. And I thought, you know what, the only reason I went into education was so I could have my summer off. Right, Derek? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> By the way, my connection with Derek, too. He's, we spent two years together, didn't we, Derek? Every Wednesday night. I, I spent more time with him and his wife. So, <laughs> But anyway, um, you know, I, 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 didn't have a, I, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. Because I'm going to go try to teach kids about Christ. And I really didn't have a relationship with him. And so I, I thought, well, I'm a teacher. Give me the curriculum. I can teach it. I can go out there and do that. Well, we get there on Sunday night, get our little group together, get the kids to bed, and I guess it was tradition that, you know, the staff goes down to the cafeteria. That kind of has been there at Mission Lake. And that was fine. We got to talking to some people, and again, I'm trying to fake it through. And uh, they were all talking about, you know, how God was working in their lives, and, and I'm sitting there going, you know what, this is getting old. I'm going to go to bed. I can't take these people talking about God. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I was in a bad place. And... So I go up to the room, and I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. Next day, I go through class. I teach my classes. Same thing. We go down. I haven't slept 24 hours. Can't sleep again the next night. Finally, on Wednesday, I'm, I, I, I've done the same thing. I've been sitting down in the cafeteria all night long, not reading the source, not going to what the problem was, and I was getting ticked off. I was like, you know what, God? I, I finally did. I started to pray. I said, God, I have given you a week of my life right here. Wow. That's a lot in it. I, I've given you a week of my life. So why won't you let me sleep? I mean, I'm 28 years old. When you're 20, when I'm 50, it's hard to sleep, right? Does everybody at 50 understand it? Like, it, it's not like when you were a kid. You're 28 years old. You can lay down here on the, you know, the stage and go to sleep. So that should not be a problem at 28. I'm not able to sleep. And I finally, I just picked up a Bible and I threw it across the cafeteria. I was ticked. I was sleep deprived. I was, I was mad at God. And I walked over. And I picked up the Bible after I calmed down a little bit. And this is what it said. And I'm not, I'm not making this up. This is exactly what happened. It comes from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him 
yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not tell the truth. And then I read down a little bit further. I mean, it started to hit me. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And it was right then and there when um, I, I realized that I'd been lying. And I've been just lying to my wife, lying to my family. I've been lying to God. And it really hit me, and it really began to make me change. And um, I went to, to help those kids that week. And when I went to church that next Sunday, I got baptized. So at 28 years old, I, I came to know the Lord. And then, then what do you do? At 28 years old, when you thought you had it figured out how you're supposed to play the Christian game and your life is wrecked. And all of a sudden, God starts putting all these things on me like, hey, you know what? You need to clean your mouth up. You know, you don't need to cuss. You don't need, and I never even realized I had done that. I didn't think I was that bad. I thought I'm a pretty good guy. I'm, I don't really think I'm that bad to be around. We went out to dinner with some friends of ours. And we're sitting there. It was kind of our annual thing. Um, our wives are both right around uh, Valentine's Day. And we leave dinner that night, and I just said, Jody, can you believe how much they were cussing? And I think I heard the F word like four times. And Jody goes, well, you were worse than that just a few months ago. And I'm thinking, no way. And it became, it was just God just started to work in my life. And, and then I started to feel guilty. How many of you have been there? You know, where when you, we come to know Christ, and all of a sudden you're going, dang it. I have wasted 28 years of my life that I could have been serving God. That I could have been a leader in my family. I thank God every day. We didn't have kids for seven years. I don't know what the problem was. We just didn't have kids. And for seven years, now I know. I mean, I can't imagine if I had brought a kid into the world when, where I was spiritually. And I thank God every day that I had made that decision because my kids grew up in church. My kids grew up going to mission trips, um, going to different things. And so I, I, I really became hungry for the word. My dad thought I'd join a cult because I was listening to the Bible on the, in the car. He said, what is going on with you, Charles? I said, I, I just can't get enough of this. I, I need to hear it. I was listening through the Bible because I had to drive about 30 minutes to work, listening through the Bible all the time. And so the pastor of that church, again, he said, hey, we need to go through the mind of Christ. And I don't know if, you've, if you can get your hands on that series. It's old. It's probably 20 years old now. But it's an amazing study. And it started off in Romans 12. And I want to I read that to you real quick. Romans 12. And I'm sorry, it's newfangled stuff. You know, when I was a guidance counselor at Highland, or at Effingham, um, a kid came up to me in my office. He was just spitting mad. He sits down in his chair and goes, Mr. Watkins, I'm ticked off. I said, well, what's going on? He goes, my parents won't let me get a cell phone. And, and he goes, that's ridiculous. I said, well, there's a lot of reasons why. And he goes, well, how old were you when you got a cell phone? I said, well, I think I was 32. And he goes, whatever. You people are all alike. I said, no, there weren't cell phones when we were kids. So now this is the first time I'm preaching off of this thing, and it's so it's new. But anyway, Romans 12. We want to go there. It's Romans 12, verse 1. And if I can find it on my... See, I knew that was going to happen, Bobby, because you jinxed me. 
I know. All right. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And first of all, it seemed a little weird because we just talked about the sacrifice that, that God provided the, the ram or the lamb in Jesus. But here's telling, Paul's telling us here to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We're supposed to offer that up. We're supposed to do what God wants us to do. And here's what it goes on to say, um, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So see, you can't get confused. I don't want to confuse anybody. I don't want to think that, hey, because what I'm about to talk to you about is, is serving, but you can't be confused on that because it's not the serving that saves you. And see, there was a while when I first became a Christian, I thought, I gotta serve. I gotta make up for this. I gotta, I gotta go do this. I gotta go do that. I gotta, I gotta find a way to serve God. That's not what God wanted. He wanted us to, He wants us to serve in an act of worship. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference in worshiping with your service than there is to just serve. Now, I think when we're getting started, I think he just wants us to serve because it goes on and says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to, and this is the part, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's where I felt like God was really starting to work on me. He said, you know what, you need to go out and you need to just start serving. And it was kind of crazy in that time frame, God also began to put people in my life. Um, you, many of you may not know them, uh, but Don and Sarah Hintz. Somehow, I think I met him at the, the co-op, probably filling up my truck with gas. And just started talking to him periodically about school and different things like that. He's a really friendly guy. And he invited us to uh, volleyball at the, at the gym. And, and Don and Sarah Hintz, their ministry, they don't admit it, but they, they don't think about it that way, but their ministry has been over the years to invite people to play volleyball, and then they witness to them. And they, they said, well, I don't witness to anybody. But no, they do, but by, by, by their character, by the way they act, by the way they treat people. And then they also were wearing these weird shirts that Tim had made. I didn't know Tim had made them. No, they weren't weird. They were really cool. Um, but they, that's what caught my eye. They, where are these people getting these? They're Mexico mission trips, and man, that sounds pretty cool. And so that led us to Tim, which led us to uh, go on a mission trip. And from there, we joined the Rushville Christian Church. And then Tim had some real profound words for me one time. See, I was at the camp, volunteering at the camp, and I was disgusted. Just absolutely disgusted. Wasn't I, Tim? Do you remember that time? Okay. We went to help a cook, and it was what he was doing in the kitchen was grossing me out. I was like, I can't handle this. I mean, they were serving food. I'm thinking, no, we can. kids, it's better now. Don't, don't think. If you go to camp, you're going to get good food, okay? But I went to Tim. I said, Tim, you got to do something. That, that cook is serving food. He shouldn't be he's doing things he couldn't be doing. And Tim goes, well, hey, you can be part of the problem or part of the solution. I don't know if that's what you, exactly what you said, but that's how I read it. That's, and I thought, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you can cook next year if you want to. And, and so Jody and I cooked. And my point about this, I don't want to bore you, but we just began to serve. We just began to do things. And, and then that opportunity came up, so we served, or we cooked, and I say that loosely. Jody cooked. 
I socialized probably and, and talked to people and maybe helped a little bit. But we cooked that whole summer. And what's crazy is that summer, Show Me Christian Youth Home sent a family every week. And so God put the Show Me Christian Youth Home in front of us and we're both teachers. And we're like, man, that is a cool ministry. I wonder if we could do full-time ministry. I wonder if we could actually afford to do that. So we, we talked to him at Show Me, and we went down there, and I'll never forget the day we walked in to Karen Kohler, who was the director there, and she goes, yeah, we, I'm sure we, got, we have some openings for you. And she said, we'll take you over. This would be the house that you guys would be living in. And I said, well, I don't mean to private. What is, what's the pay? You know, I said, I don't know if I can afford to do this, because we were both teachers, and I mean, you know, teachers make tons of money, right, Derek? <laughs> Not really. We, we, we didn't make too bad of money, and, and I'll never forget, there's nobody in this house, right? Nobody but Jody and I, and Karen pulls this little piece of paper out, and she writes a number on it, and she hands it to me. It's $500, and I went, oh, I can't do ministry. <laughs> you know, I just can't do that. And it, and, and it was crazy because we got in our car, we'd driven two and a half hours or whatever from home to, to look at, check out the ministry and stuff. And uh, as we're driving home, we both said, you know, we just can't afford that right now. We just, there's no way. And within a year, God had made a way. He started showing us, hey, you don't need two vehicles. Hey, you don't need this or that. Or you can sell your house and, and you can come up with this. And, and pretty soon, we figured out how we could live on $500 a month. And that's crazy. You know, when you think about it, it's just nuts. But God makes it a way. And, and so my point is, is that when, when you start to serve, God is going to continue to move you where he wants you. And so let's go on and read down. It says, humble service in the body of Christ. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. And that's I, I highlighted that because this isn't just for people that are called to be pastors. This isn't just for people that are, um, you know, called to uh, be a director at a camp um, or at the Show Me Christian Youth Home. This says, this says really clearly, it says, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with somber judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body, with many members, and these members don't all have the same function. So in Christ, um, though many form one body, or through many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to um, the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophesy according to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is to teach, then teach. If it is to encourage, give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. If it is to show mercy, do so cheerfully. And I just think it, it lays it right out there in Romans 12. It just says, you know what? We are all, each and every one of us are called to do. And if you think about that list, there's not any, is there anybody in here that can't find something on that list? But Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But it would be really hard for us to, to, to not find something that we could do on that list. And, and that's what I, my point is today, again, I just want to keep coming back to it, is that as we serve, God puts more things in front of us. And he, he allows us to see that we can do more. I know that when I was a house parent at Show Me, I always, I always felt like 
God was calling us into the leadership. And then we became assistant director, and Jody was the school administrator. God used some of the talents that we had to help the ministry. And as we moved to Camp Galilee, it was a hard, hard decision to leave Show Me. You guys all know. You, I've been up here, and I've talked about Show Me. You know the passion that I have for the Show Me Christian Youth Home, for the kids there. And it was really hard. But when, when we were confronted with this opportunity to serve, we looked at this and we said, wow, you know, um, God could really use us. And, and, and so we looked at the fact that with the camp, almost 1,400 kids a summer go through there. And, and I think about it, we have a, and I know this is all just money and it's silly probably, but I look at things kind of strangely, but our budget's like $280,000. And we're going to witness the 1,400 kids. We will probably have hundreds of baptisms in a year. And if you think about it, just in a regular church, I don't know what the average church is around the country, but I bet the average church has a $200,000 budget. And, you know, we're called to witness to kids and to people. And that's what our, 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 our mission is at Camp Galilee. Our mission is to that we are called by God inspired by his word to train up and lead young people to Christ. So let's read one more thing from Romans. Let's keep going just a little bit. It says, love in action. Now this is the part that uh, is not easy. Think, well, the rest of that was easy? <laughs> um, I, I don't know, but this is, this is where I, I, I struggle, and I have to continually go back. My family is probably sick. Every sermon I give somehow leads back to Romans. So in some way or another, Romans 12, because it, it does have a, an effect on our lives. It says, love must be sincere. And I, I think we're talking about here, Paul is continually talking about how we need to you know, renew our mind, how we need to test his will and figure out our will or his will for our life. And then he tells us how we're supposed to do it. He said, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And it's easy to hate what's evil. Um, cling to what is good. Be devote, be devoted to one another in love. That one can be hard, can it? From the body of Christ, we're all, we're all different. Each one of us, each one of us has our function as in the body of Christ. Some of, some people speak, some people are the hands, some people are the feet, some people are the drummers. Right? And that's just as important as any of the other parts. But we're supposed to, Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. That's an easy one, right? Faithful in prayer. Share with the, with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. That's an easy one, right? I'm not getting much response. Is this easy for you guys? Because I, I really have a hard time with these. So, um, blessed, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. I thank God every day that Tim was willing <laughs> to associate with me. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil. For evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
And, you know, I, I was really confused with that one for a while. It, it said to do what was right. And sometimes I get a little self-righteous. I don't know about you guys, but I think, I know that's right. I'm doing what's right, but yet I'm being persecuted for it. I'm doing what's right, but it doesn't say what's... It says what's right in the eyes of everyone. That kind of changes it, doesn't it? Kind of makes me think about, well, it might not be right in Carrie's eyes. And that's why she's has you know anxiety or she has uh attitude towards me or or whatever. Why you don't like me, Carrie? I don't know. I'm just joking. Uh, but it, it I have never I never really thought about that before. I always thought it was just do what's right. Well, it's easy to find out what's right. We know what's truth, but it's not always easy to know what's right in somebody else's eyes. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, and that's where it talks about what's doing what's right, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On, con- on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Um, do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. That's quite a list. It's hard. It's hard to do. And you know, I think sometimes we get so caught up in the world, I say we, I just need to refer to myself. I get so caught up in my day-to-day that I don't open this book. And you know, he has the answers. How many times have we been so frustrated with our life? We've been, we've been frustrated in 2020, right? Not being able to go outside, not being able to go in the store. I mean, we had a whole class today about our frustrations about 2020 and how it was hard. And you know what? He he has the answers for us. I'm going to leave you um, with with just the way we started. And it's going to be James 1, 22. Don't merely listen to the words. See, we've all heard the words today. We've all listened to what God has to say. And it's really just not enough. And I don't want to beat anybody up. I know that Tim asked me, why do you serve? Can you tell people why you serve? And it's not because I'm guilty or feel guilty. It's because I want to worship God through my service. And, and I also don't want to just hear the words. So he's calling us. He says, don't just merely listen to the words and deceive yourself like I was deceived for so many years. And there may be people here today that, that were deceived all the way through their childhood, all the way through their adulthood, thinking, I know Jesus, and you really don't. Just do what it says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and wow, we thank you. We thank you for this word. We thank you for your words. We, we're, we're so thankful that you have breathed these words into this book, that we might be able to use them and, and lift each other up or, or figure out our way. Lord, we, we thank you that you love us, that you've, you, you, out of all the things that you've created in this world, all the beauty that we see, 
<laughs> you desire a relationship with us. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, as we, as we try to figure out what you want us to do, Lord, I pray that we would begin just by moving. Just by taking that mission trip, taking that weekend short-term trip, going to Mexico, serving in our church, teaching a Sunday school class. Lord, I pray that you would put it on our hearts, and I pray that would get us in, in motion. And then, Lord, I pray that as we do that, that you would reveal more and more until we are where you want us to be. God, you are an amazing God, and we love you, and we thank you for your son. We thank you that you sent him uh, to die so that we can have a chance at eternity. We love you, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.